0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. So, this morning, I got some really good news for you guys. Do you guys like good news? Okay, so if someone were to come up to you and say, I got some good news and bad news for you, who would pick the good news first? Who picked the bad news first? I'm in the bad news category, I'll tell you why. Because let's just get it over with. Let's get the bad news out of the way so that I can enjoy the good news. So who, who raised good news first? Oh, no one did now, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I have some really good news for you guys this morning, you guys wanna know what it is? Don't you love coming here and being like, oh wow, someone's telling me I have some really, they have some really good news for me. That's really encouraging this morning. But I have some really good news for you guys. Okay. I'm going to tell you what it is. You ready? Yes. All right. Are you sure? Yes. All right. This is the good news for you this morning. You were created to do good things. Did you know that? You were created to do good things. Stevie, you were created to do good things. Cassie, you were created to do good things. Danny, you were created to do good things. Herb, sorry, man. I can't leave you out, bro. You were, you were created to do good things, too. We, as a church, as a people, are created to do good things. That's what our faith tells us. And I know what you're going to say to me. You're like, Chad, I already know that. I already know that. I've read James. I know that, you know, You know, we are created, our faith has called us to do good things, and spiritually speaking, you know, know, an outpouring of our faith and the reason that we believe in God should in some way, you know, we should respond in a way that is good. And we're supposed to do good things. And I would say to you, you are absolutely correct. You are absolutely correct. But did you know that doing good things... And remember this this morning, we are created to do good things, but doing good things not only benefits us spiritually, but it also benefits us physiologically. And I'm going to lay that out for you this morning. It's really cool. Obviously, some of the passages that we're going to look at are going to deal specifically with spiritual stuff, right? Because that is where we are. We are in scripture. God is speaking to us in a spiritual perspective, although he is He has created us, and he is fully invested in the wholeness of who we are in life, not just spiritually. But I'm going to attempt to argue this from a physiological perspective. So you have to stay with me this morning. Because God is ultimately concerned about our physical life, our emotional life, our mental life, our mental health, our physical health, all of it. He's not just concerned about our spiritual well-being. He's concerned about all of it, because guess what? He created all of it. So, in order to go into Scripture, we're going to look at a couple verses that Paul penned, because um, he talks a lot about spiritual works, good works, and doing good things, and he really talks a lot about being created, actually being created, being made to do good things. And so, we're going to look at two passages this morning. The first is going to be out of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. The second is going to be out of Titus Chapter 3. And it's really interesting because Paul actually lays out the argument for good works the same way in both chapters. They're almost like parallel chapters. It's almost like he wrote one and then decided, you know what, I'm going to talk about good works and I'm kind of going to lay it out the same way in the other book. So this is how he lays it out, right? He has uh, a way of of laying out this argument and he does it the same way in both chapters. And the way he does this is what I call um, he lays out this thing called war, right? War. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about the idea of being created for good works. Okay, we're going to see in, second, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 that Paul says we are literally created for good works. Now that word works, right, or things works, um, I want to define that really quick so we actually know what we're talking about. So the word works is actually the Greek word called ergon. Ergon. And this is what it means. It means business, employment, that which one is occupied, that which one undertakes to do, enterprise, deed, undertaking, an act or a thing done. So there's actually kind of two different versions of the definitions, two separate definitions under that word. The first is being the business side, enterprise and stuff like that. The other side is deeds or acts or things done. And we're going to look further in Titus, and and we're going to understand really what Paul is talking about is that second part, the deed or the act or the thing done. But Paul lays this thing out, and I'm going to describe it as war, W-A-A-R, and he does it in both verses, right? This This is how he lays out his argument. He tells us who we were. He tells us who we are. He tells us the reason for the transformation, and then he tells us what's the result of the transformation. So, were, are, reason, result. That should be RR. Because I can't spell. Guess who created the slides this week for my message? All right, that's enough. You guys are totally distracting me right now. All right, let's first start with were, who we were. This is what Paul says in Ephesians. Remember, Ephesians and Titus are going to run parallel with one another, right? So this is what he says in Ephesians about who we were. This is from the message. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in the old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it right? We're all in the same boat. We all felt like doing what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it, right? That is who we were. That is who we were. Titus, this is what he says, pretty similar. He says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That is who we were, Then he transitions and says, This is who you are. Literally, the next verse in Ephesians. If you go to Ephesians back to chapter two, after the first verse, this is what he says. But, but, God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. What are you this morning? Alive Alive to Christ this morning, no longer dead. And this is what he says in Titus, but when the goodness and loving, it's so cool he uses that word again, but, 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 when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. What are we this morning? Saved. We're alive and we're saved this morning. So, who we were, who we are, then he tells us how and why. The reason. First is this, Ephesians A little further down in chapter 2, for, this is the reason, grace, by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Now, let me just say really quick, those works that he's talking about are not the works that we're going to be talking about, okay? So, you you know, I, I know some people will be like, well, wait a minute, you just told me that my faith doesn't matter, that works doesn't matter to my faith. Yes, and no. <laughs> We're not talking about the same works here, okay? Um, these works, really quickly, if you look at it in context, he's talking about the works that we do prior to salvation. He's saying there's nothing you can do to gain the salvation of Christ, or the salvation of God. There's nothing you can do to gain that, to have that, to merit that. Those are the works that he's talking about. All right, so... Um, under reason he says it like this in Titus he says not because of works hmm interesting not because of works done by us in righteousness which basically says he's basically saying you can actually do works and be righteous but yet it's still not going to lead you to the unmerited favor and gift of God which is salvation really interesting but according to his own mercy He's taking the focus off of us and what we can do and putting it on solely on Jesus. Only through his mercy, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit in whom he poured out on us richly through Christ our Savior. So those are the reasons. Who we were, who we are, why we are the way we are now, our transition. And then he follows that up and says, this is the end of my thought. This is what you need to do if that is the case in your life. This is the result of the transformation. Ephesians 2, 10. This is basically the crux of the message. For we are his workmanship, created, right, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, that we would walk in them. So we were literally created to do good works this morning. And this is how he says it in Titus. The saying is trustworthy, And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. What he's saying there for uh, these things, just so you know, when he talks about these things, he's not talking about the good works. What he's saying is, is, Titus, I want you to tell people about the unmerited favor of God in in their life. And that they can't do anything in and of themselves to, 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 to get that. He's saying these things are profitable. These things are good for people, okay? If you, if you tell them, if you express this message to them, this is the natural response that they will do good things and do good works. That is the natural response. And so Paul basically, what he's saying is, is I just want you to be better human beings. Yeah. That's what he's saying. He's saying your faith should motivate you to be a better human being. Paul is, is exhorting us To live up to the standard that God created for us in the beginning. Although we will never fully get there. That is the goal. That is the goal. To love God. Why? To love God so that he can motivate us to love others. So if we have faith in God, the natural response should be, I'm going to do good stuff for good people. That is Paul's response. That is his argument. He's saying, I just want you to be better human beings. We've got to be on a progression towards Jesus that is filled with good works and doing good things. We gotta be generous and kind. Healthy faith leads us to do good things. Good things does not lead us to faith, right? Just ask any social worker. If you're a social worker in here, I love you. I know a lot of social workers in this, in this city, okay? Some of them believe in something. Some of them don't believe in anything. And so, it's really apparent if you just look in the world that people can do good things outside of any kind of f- belief or faith. That is absolutely possible. You don't need faith to do good things. But our faith should motivate us to do good things. Not just because we want to do good things, but by because we've experienced the love of God in our lives. We've experienced the unmerited favor and that response should be to go do good things. See, if it was the other way around, then we would worship the good things. But no, we're to worship Jesus who causes us to do good things. In the world, you can do good things. You can actually be righteous, you can be a good person and be moral and do good things. That is absolutely possible. And there's a lot of people I know that in this community that I love, that are doing amazing things. Their heart is so huge for people. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they believe in anything. Because good works doesn't lead to faith. Jesus leads us to faith. Jesus alone. And that was the message that Paul was trying to say. You can do anything you want, but but here's the thing. If you don't encounter the man Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it's not going to lead you anywhere. You know? It's really interesting. God loves for us to work, you know? He, he loves people that work for him. It is good to work and be profitable for God. You know, in the story of, of the talents, you know, when the, when the, uh, the, the business owner sent his, t- gave his, his employees a, a, you know, a certain amount of money, he sent them up and said, hey, go invest this for me. Go make a profit for me. And they came back, right? We know the story, some of us. Two of them came back, and he praised them. He said, wow, you have been good. You're a good and faithful servant. You took what I gave you, and you made a profit from it. You multiplied it. Awesome. He was the harshest on the person that did nothing with it. They went and buried it because they were afraid to lose it. So God wants us to be profitable with our lives. God wants us to be profitable with what he has given us this morning. And that includes doing good things. Because we are created to do that. so cool. James said this uh, in in, in James chapter 2. I just want to point out one thing. We're justified by our faith, okay? We are justified by our faith, right? We have been justified by our faith alone in Jesus and accepting the free gift that he has given us, Right? But good works legitimizes and brings life to our faith. There's a really interesting relationship between our faith and works in this thing we call, you know, in this, in this grand scheme that God has set up on this earth, okay? There is a really cool relationship between works and doing good things and faith. Because this is what James says in chapter 2. He says, Listen, if you see someone in need, if someone is cold, if someone is hungry, if someone is struggling, he said, it is literally merely not enough to pray for them. Go do something for them. That's what he says. Go look it up. It's not enough just to pray. I know prayer is powerful. Prayer is awesome. But James says, it's not enough just to pray for people. Go and clothe them. Go buy something for them. Go feed them. Do something. Why did he say that? Because our faith gives our, our works gives life to our faith and it legitimizes our faith. It is the fruit, if you will, of our belief. <laughs> if we don't have good works, we are fruitless. Paul says it later on in Titus when we when we read that in a moment. James also says this in chapter 2. He says, faith without works is dead. You guys have heard that before probably. But he went so far as to say this, faith is completed by our works. Faith is completed by our works, and we are justified by our works as well as our faith. That's what it says. Go read it. We are justified not only by our faith, but by our works as well. We are not saved, but we are justified by our faith. And what he's saying is is the fruit, the the evidence of our faith should be our works. It's not what gets us saved, but it should be the evidence of a true, long-lasting, healthy faith life on this earth. Our faith should inspire us to do something. Loving God, obviously, is of imminent importance. Yes, we should love God. But if we're going to claim to love God, the evidence of that claim should be good works. That's why Paul exhorts us to do good works. The kingdom of God is ushered in when we do good things for other people. We have been created to do good works. Not only have we been created uh, by a spiritually to do good works, but we have been created physiologically to do good works. See, God has created this amazing thing called the human body. And it's wonderfully complex, this thing called the human body. And it's wonderfully made. And I know a lot of people think of the body and the flesh and think, you know, that's something that's separate from our spirit. Therefore, it's somehow tainted or because of sin, it's, 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 it's tainted or it's, it's bad or something like that. I know a lot of people can kind of get into that whole mode of like, well, I don't really want to talk about the body because the body just, you know, when we hear about it in Scripture, um, it, it, it doesn't necessarily conjure up good thoughts. But I have, to, I have to make this point really quick about the body, and more importantly, the flesh. Paul talks about the flesh in Scripture right? He talks about in um, Romans, I think, 6 is it? He talks about the mind that is um, being controlled by the flesh is disobedient to God. But what he's talking about there is not necessarily our body, flesh, but the sinful nature that is in us, okay? So when we actually talk about the physical and human body, we should we should be thankful to God that he created us with that. It's not something to look at as something that's bad. But it is equated that way, and it can be misinterpreted that way in scripture because Paul uses the word flesh to associate the idea of sinful nature that's in us. So I don't want to confuse those two, okay? Flesh is, in, in its physical form, is not bad. The body is not bad. God created it for a reason. He created it to actually house the Holy Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul talks about the temple of God being our body. Why? Because it now houses the Holy Spirit, which lives in us. So I began to ponder a little bit about, okay, God, we have been created for good works. Hmm. I want to explore that a little bit more from a physical perspective. What does it mean to be created for good works? And I found some really cool things about the body as I was doing some studying. Admittedly, I watched some YouTube videos. I can't lie. I watched some YouTube videos, but I did some study, I did some research, I looked at some studies about the human body, and more specifically, about the human brain. This is really cool. So our brain is made up of five different chemicals. And those five chemicals are this, endorphins, Dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. Those are kind of like the good feeling chemicals, okay, in our brain. There's one that's, that's there, that's in our body, that's, that's associated with stress, anxiety, worry, stuff like that. That's called cortisol, right? But we're not gonna talk about cortisol this morning. We're gonna talk about these four chemicals. And, mo- and more importantly, we're gonna talk about the last one. So I just wanna run through these really quick with you, but I really wanna focus on the last one. First one is this, endorphins. Endorphins are in our body, and they're mainly designed to block pain. They're mainly designed to block pain, but they're also used in determination. They're actually released during laughter. Now, endorphins block pain, so what happens is, is for a moment, for a couple of moments, for a specific period of time, when you're experiencing pain in your body, endorphins will mask that. So like when you're laughing, when someone tells you a joke and they keep, and you guys keep going back and forth, and you're laughing, and you're laughing, and it's like 10 minutes, and then all of a sudden you start to hurt because your muscles are contracting. That's because your body's not creating endorphins anymore to mask the pain. But it's also um, runners, gym, runners, peep athletes. When they're going through physical exertion, their body is actually going through pain. Your muscles are contracting, and they're they're experiencing pain. But your body is releasing endorphins in order to mask that pain, so that you can actually do what you have set out to do. We went for a hike. Everybody, anybody ever been to Douglas Mountain? Douglas Mountain, good little hike. We went to Douglas Mountain, our whole family, <coughs> um, a couple days ago, and did a little hike, and it was really good. Like we were climbing, and there were some like flat spots, and the Probably about halfway up, Shannon was just like, Oh man, my legs are starting to hurt. I'm getting a little sore here. And I'm like, Oh really? I'm fine. I'm good. That's because I work out. I work out every morning. I work out. Um so like halfway up the, the mountain where I was, I was I was a little tired. I was a little tired. But the kids are good. Actually the kids are pretty good. But we were like, okay, getting a little tired. But so we get to this point in the trail where it's Eagle Scout Trail. So you go, there's a couple different ways you can go. And so Eagle Scout Trail goes like to the right. So we follow Eagle, we actually almost got lost because we've been up there before for some reason. I don't know what happened. but So we go to Eagle Scout Trail, right, which takes us to the summit. So there's a sign that says five minutes to the summit. Five minutes to the summit. So you actually know how far you have to go from that point. Because a lot of times when you're hiking the first time, you're like, how far am I going here? I kid you not, I didn't say anything, I kid you not. My body literally was like, right? We're like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're almost there, we're almost there, we're almost there. Right? I knew how long it was gonna take me to get to the top. Five minutes, my body kicked in, masked the pain, I didn't feel fatigued, I felt great. I'm like, we're getting to the top. So we got to the top. (laughs) Then we hurt, (laughs) endorphins. All right, next one is um, dopamine. So dopamine is really kind of an interesting chemical in the brain. It's largely responsible for motivation and getting stuff done. So the to-do lists in our lives, when we want to get something done, dopamine helps us do that, right? It also is responsible for movement and speech. So people that are suffering from like Parkinson's disease, they have a dying off of the brain cells in this area of their brain. That's like the literally the size of a postage stamp that inhibits their movement and speech. So dopamine is largely responsible for dopamine, uh, for movements and speech. But it's also, f- it's also responsible for motivation and getting stuff done. So it also is connected with this idea of receiving a reward, this chemical dopamine. So I'll give you an example. Anybody like peanut butter? <laughs> <laughs> I like eat peanut butter every single night, right? I just, when I'm just chilling, I'm like, the, the thought pops in my brain and I'm like, man, I want some peanut butter. So what I do is I get up off the couch. I know where the peanut butter is. I go to the cupboard. I grab a spoon, open it up. Boom, straight, straight up. Big peanut butter fan. What just happened there? What just happened was my body, my brain was telling me, there is a reward in the cupboard. And now you are going to get up off your seats, you're going to walk over to the cupboard, grab the spoon, and get the peanut butter out, bam, reward. <laughs> dopamine. <laughs> but dopamine also has a, a really negative side to it, in the sense that because it's, it's, it's released and it's, it's related to motivation and reward and... And, and getting things done. It actually is also released when we ingest alcohol or nicotine or drugs. Um, it actually has been linked, being released in people. They've noticed, um, studies have shown p- people, people gamble. Dopamine can be released, and also when people are on their cell phones. Think about that one. So there's this risk, or not risk, but there's this motivation reward part of dopamine in our brain that actually can work against us. So those are the first two I want to talk about. Those are mostly like biological. The next two are social, more social. They're biological as well, but they have more of a social role in our lives. The next one is serotonin. So serotonin is this chemical that you feel or actually it's released after something happens. So the feeling of pride or accomplishing something um, for teenagers, like maybe getting that entrance exam acceptance into their school, um, could give you a, a sense of pride. Not a bad pride, but a sense of pride and accomplishment like you've, you've done something. Serotonin um, helps uh, feel, make you feel that sense of pride and accomplishment. Um, driver's license, when you got your driver's license, you guys remember when you go, man, did you not feel like, yeah! I got my driver's license. Freedom! Right? Uh, so accomplishing something's status it's also considered kind of the leadership chemical in the sense that it gets released when you feel like you're in a position of leadership and you're leading others. Um, for parents, it could be like the sense of pride when you see your kid in their first dance recital um, perform or like, you know, when they're performing in a sport and they get their first base hit or their first goal. That sense of pride, you know, when maybe when they take their f- they take their first walk, that sense of pride that like, oh, that's so awesome. That's Serotonin, that is this chemical in the brain that gets released that makes you feel that way. Um, the idea that if you've ever been in a group with people and you've decided to do, do something and th- they've sort of taken your lead, that is that chemical that's working that gives you that sense of, of leadership. The last one I really want to focus on is this, oxytocin. Now some of you obviously may know what oxytocin is if, ladies, if you've gone through the childbirth birthing process, Um, Oxytocin is a hormone in the body that actually gets released that starts the birthing process. And if things aren't progressing well enough, right, as you guys know, in that process, the doctors will, right, will inject the woman with um, a a level of oxytocin into the body to sort of kickstart or um, trick the body into thinking that it's going into labor. So this chemical is really, really cool. Um, it actually aids in, supply in breastfeeding for women. So when women are breastfeeding, oxytocin gets released into the body through the, uh, through the process of breastfeeding. And um, it actually helps in the, the, the uterus contracting after labor t- to help speed up the healing process in the woman. It's pretty amazing because this chemical is actually responsible for the idea and the feelings of bonding, friendship, childbirth or is involved in childbirth love and trust love and trust bonding and friendship it's pretty amazing to me that it's constantly reminding us that we want to feel safe and chances are right now you're probably sitting someone next to someone that you know right you either sitting with someone that you came with maybe you're sitting alone You're probably sitting next to someone you came with or someone that you know pretty well, right? That feeling of safety, right? That's related to that chemical oxytocin that's in your body right now. If I were to take the person that you're sitting next to and replace it with someone that you have no idea who they are, how do you think that would feel? A little awkward. Obviously you'd be polite, start up a conversation, but there's something in there, right, that's just kind of like, you're a little uncomfortable, you're a little less safe, right? That's oxytocin in your body. Your oxytocin is trying to make you feel safe. It's also, it's cool, it's also released w- during physical contact. So when, when you go to touch somebody, right? So it's really interesting. When we read about in scripture, about how we lay, when we pray for people, we do it by laying on of hands, that's really interesting, right? Why do we do that? Human touch actually makes us feel safe. When we pray for people in this church, we encourage, when you go through ministry, prayer ministry training, we encourage you to, when people come up and you pray for them, to put your hands on them in an appropriate way, obviously. But you you lay your hands on them, right? Why? Because it makes people feel safe. Oxytocin. It makes them feel safe. Guess what else? When it's released, guess what else causes oxytocin to be released in your body? Human generosity. Human generosity. Doing good things. Created. We have been created to do good things, literally. Oxytocin is released in the body when we do good things for other people, when we are generous, when we are kind, when we sacrifice ourselves, when we live a life of sacrifice for somebody else, oxytocin is released in the body. That is why we feel good when we help someone out. If you went to local in the park a couple weeks ago and you volunteered, I bet you you went home that night Thinking, you know what? I feel a little bit better about today. I feel a little bit better about myself. I feel, a li- I feel encouraged. F- There's probably a little bit more joy going through your body at that moment. Why? Because you sacrificed yourself. You sacrificed your time to do something for somebody else. Oxytocin. The really cool thing about oxytocin, too, is, is this. It really gets experienced, and it really gets released when what you're doing is an act of sacrifice. Something needs to be sacrificed. Something needs to be done. Like, for instance, if I were to give you, or, or, or if you were to write a check, if, you, if Doug Clements was here, who's the, who leads our food pantry, if you were to go up to Doug after the service this morning and say, Doug, here's a 1000 bucks. You do whatever you want with it spend the money however you want, just make sure it goes to the people that come on Friday night so that they can get some food. I'd say, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And you would probably feel a little bit better about yourself, right? You'd be like, ah, I did something good today. I helped somebody out. Man, those people will be blessed on Friday night because there's gonna be all that food over and above what there normally is because of my generosity. But if you were to actually go to the food pantry on a Friday night and serve for two hours, and actually met the people, got the food with the people, conversed with the people, met the people, learned a little bit about who they were, what do you think is going to make you feel more fulfilled? The two hours. Is the two hours worth $1,000? My two hours of labor worth $1,000? No. 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 No, it's not. It's not. I would not charge $1,000 to go and help out for two hours. My, my labor is not worth $1,000 for two hours. But why, why, why do we look at the two hours and, and, and see that as more valuable than $1,000? Because we actually had to sacrifice something we'll never get back, which is time. You'll always make more money. You ain't getting back time. The two hours sacrificed for, the, for that is worth way more than the $1,000 and you f- actually feel better about yourself. And not only that, if you were to tell somebody, you would get a much different reaction if you were to go up to someone and say, yeah, I gave $1,000 to the food pantry, what do you think? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I went in and volunteered two hours at the food pantry. Wow, that was, that's pretty cool. Wow, that, that makes me want to do something, right? Time. Sacrificing your time is part of being generous and living a life, because we've been created to do good works. When we create, when we, when we do good works, it causes us to be more generous. Because the body creates more oxytocin in our body, which, which, which actually causes us to become more generous. Last thing about this, I wanna just explain to you about this chemical. If you, have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, boy, That was, I heard about what you did for that person or I saw what you did for that person, you know. um, That was really cool what you did. Or have you ever seen somebody do the same thing? Have you ever seen somebody sacrificially do something for someone, give something to someone out of generosity, out of kindness? It makes you feel good. Well, it actually turns out that just watching or witnessing an act of kindness and generosity literally releases oxytocin into your body. So, this chemical, like we said, actually helps in bonding, it helps in relation building, and it helps in forming lasting relationships with one another. And it allows us to feel empathy for one another, and it actually makes us become more generous. You know what else it does? It inhibits addiction and it boosts the immune system and it makes us feel safe. So, we have literally been created by God to do good things. Literally, physiologically, we have been created to do good things. There is lasting health benefits to doing good things for God. Like, seriously? Seriously, God in his amazing design has not only made it so that we spiritually benefit and others spiritually benefit from doing good things, but he has designed it so that we will actually be more happy, healthier, and more joyful if we're doing our part in doing good things. Because guess what? We have been created to do good things. Yes. Um, let me, just, let me just clarify this really quick. Um, our good works should be a response, right, to the unmerited favor of God. Um, it should be his love that motivates us to do this, okay? Being a healthier person is a really cool, bi- is a really cool, like, extra over-benefit of that, I want you to understand that, you know, the motivation for us to do good things for people is not so that we can feel better about ourselves. The motivating factor for doing good things is understanding that God and his wonderful, gracious gift of love through his son Jesus has saved us. And if he can do that for us, how can we not show that unmerited grace mercy and favor to others and what is the primary way we do that doing good things for others so I just want to clear that up right away because it's not about our physical feeling but it's just really cool that we are actually healthier human beings if we are more generous in some crazy way God has designed us in order to do that um, Yeah, the nature of the kingdom is being revealed to others through what we do and the acts of generosity and kindness that we show to others. Wrapping it up, chapter 3, Titus says this, uh, and Titus Paul says this. He says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, ergon, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Remember I talked about the fruit of our faith is our works? It's it's right there. It's right there. And so it's so interesting because really what Paul is talking about here when we talked about the word ergon at the beginning, he's talking about cases, deeds, actions, things. He's not necessarily talking about business, even though it's great to go into business to help other people. Totally awesome. Love it. But what Paul is talking about here with this word, ergon, is this idea of taking care of someone in urgent need. A good thing, an act, generosity, kindness. He said, if you're not doing this, guess what you are? You are unfruitful. You are unfruitful. When we see someone in urgent need, and decide to help them and sacrifice for them out of kindness and generosity as a response to the freely given gift of salvation. It ushers in the kingdom on this earth, and it also makes us healthier human beings. That's pretty cool. All right, let's stand.